0: The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. How are we doing? Good morning. We had so much fun last week, we decided to do a second week today. How about that? No, I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, welcome. As Kevin said, there's a guest card in the seat back in front of you. If you'd fill that out, we'd love to get some information to you about who we are and what God's got going on in the life of the creek. And um, I, uh, I want to say thank you so much to you guys for an, an incredible opening weekend. Uh, it was more than I could ever dream of, honestly. I spent the entire afternoon, honestly, in awe, which was awesome because I had an afternoon. So... Um, and our setup and teardown team, we went home right after church. It was, it was awesome. We we're like, what do we do? And I felt like Ricky Bobby for a minute. You know, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my time? Um, so, yesterday I thought about starting a, a Twitter series of the things that we can do instead of setting up on Saturday. And yesterday would have been really boring because I made it my goal to sleep in. Past the setup time, I didn't make it, but at least I got to sleep. You know, I was like, "This is still better than setup." So, just watch Twitter. I might throw some things out there over the next couple of weeks about what could be better than uh, doing setup. But I want to thank our setup and teardown team, four and a half years of faithfulness, and uh, they, we, we, it's, yeah, I give them a hand. So. But I also want to say, uh, you know, there's still some boxes we got to unpack here. I told you it's not going to be perfect, and last week, you know, parking, um, it was exciting because we had the largest weekend we've ever had in Creeks history, Um, and we discovered some parking things, and uh, over the last eight months, we've been looking at two-dimensionally, so I know what the plans look like, and I've walked through uh, this facility since we closed on it in February, and so there's there's just some things we got to tweak. And so I'm proud of our team. We spent this week talking about what do we need to change? How do we need to fix some things? What do we need to make better? And, uh, so I can tell you that plans are already in the work to add some parking and we're not going to ask you for any money on that. Um, but if you want to give to it, then you're welcome to the giving stations are in the back, but, um, the, uh, we're going to put some gravel along the side, so that way you can make a loop around the building. And, and we're going to do gravel because it's cheaper. And uh, I've got a truck, four-wheel drive, and I parked it in the mud, baby. So that's how I was rolling this morning. So if you've, got a, if you've got a beamer, I wouldn't recommend trying to do that. If you do, I'll pull you out. I've got a tow rope. So thank you for being patient. And uh, I just... Uh, there's a lot to get used to. I mean, how we drop off and pick up our kids and stuff. If you're new, it's all new. So that's great. Um, but those of you who came over from the daycare, it's like, well, I went to this room. It's a different room, you know, but we're, we're trying to make it as easy and, and painless as possible. But thank you so much for, for an incredible first weekend. I just, I'm in awe of that. Um, we'll continue to iron out some things. And uh, if, it, if, 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 This week, I actually got out there, but last week I didn't. But I go to the Welcome Center right after the services. So if you need something, if you want to talk to me about something, just introduce yourself. If I haven't gotten to meet you or shake your hand or say hi, I'd love to meet you at the Welcome Center. You go out the back doors and it's to the right. It's the blue wall. We've got signs on the way that will help you understand where that is. So follow the flowers, which my amazingly, wonderfully, beautiful wife arranged flowers for the Welcome Center. I bought them. She arranged them. See, guys, I learned something yesterday. You, you can't just go buy a bouquet, bouquet of flowers. They have to be arranged. But I can guarantee you this. If you come home with the store with even an unarranged bouquet of flowers, you still got the points, okay? So take that advice. Go buy some bouquet. Let her arrange them. But you just you do your job, let her do hers, right? It's awesome. So anyway, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have fun. We are starting a new series today. We're starting the book of Romans. Those of you who know me know that my favorite way to teach is verse by verse through a book of the Bible. I love that because it holds us accountable to the context and it keeps us within the context so that we're not trying to, to say, what do I want scripture to say? We're, we come away from, from the teaching going, okay, what, what is scripture saying and then how does this change what I'm supposed to be doing? So it's, it's more so how do we fall in line with scripture instead of us trying to get scripture to conform to us. So if you've got your Bible, go to Romans chapter 1. And, uh, if you don't have one, Kevin said, uh, we have some on the back tables for you. Uh, we have some ushers that would love to put one in your hand. I hope I'm not throwing our ushers under the bus, but if you just slip up your hands, we're not trying to embarrass you, but if you need a Bible, just wave at, wave at us and an usher will get you one. Or if you have a smart phone, smart device tablet, there's a free app called Uversion. You can, uh, find us in there, but Romans chapter one is where we're going to be and, uh, Let me give you some background on this, and while while you're going there, um, Romans is, uh, we broke it down into smaller sections, so we're going to do a series based on the sections of Romans that we're doing. This this first series is called In the Dark, and it's going to cover the first three, four chapters of Romans, and let me give you some historical background before we get into this, because it's it's important to understand the context of where we're going. So this letter, Romans is a letter, it's called a Pauline Epistle, which means the Apostle Paul wrote it. He wrote it to the church in Rome. Paul wrote it while he was staying in Corinth, and Paul wrote this letter about 56 to 57 AD, which would be first century, middle of the first century. And he wanted to visit Rome. He says, how I long to come and visit you? He didn't actually visit Rome until 61 to 63 AD. So, so a couple years later, uh, one of the women that was living in Corinth, her name is Phoebe. She actually, not the smelly cat Phoebe, but different Phoebe. That, that just came to me. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. See, I thought I left the inner monologue at the daycare. you have to forgive me. Uh, Phoebe delivered the letter for Paul. And... Uh, to understand some of the letters, I mean, we, we look at our scripture, and we see it as, as like one book, when it's really 66 individual books, and some of these books are letters. And it's important to understand that this letter was written to the Christians in Rome, the, to several house churches that would be gathering in Rome. When, when you look through and you study the book of Acts, what you see happening is the gospel becoming just, just viral. And it's going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there are people that are visiting Jerusalem that end up getting saved and going back, and some went back to Rome. The apostles had never visited Rome. The, the, the 11 disciples that were remaining after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection had never been to Rome. That's why Paul wanted to go there. The overall theme of the letter is righteousness. Righteousness. And, and we're going to work through that over the next really probably several months as we kind of unpack this in, in a linear fashion so we understand the context and how righteousness fits, not just in the context of the, the letter, but fits in the context of our life. But it starts out with this, this section about, about darkness, and today it's all a greeting. This is Paul's gospel greeting. I'm, I'm going to read it to you. He says, I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of of his name among all the nations, including you who are called and belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is opening this letter to the, to the Christians in Rome different than we would open up our letters today. I mean, I, I, I've written a handwritten letter this year and you know we've kind of changed that. How many of you have written a handwritten letter just in the last six months? That's awesome. I think it's a lost art form. We've now gone to we went to email, and now we're at text, and text just takes it to way way less personal. Text. Here's how we identify who we are on text. You should have my phone number saved in your phone. Yet yeah, you, we all get those texts, and it's from a random number. And I don't know if you're like me, but I go through this thing like I want to ask who this is, but I probably should know who this is, but I haven't saved them in my phone, so I don't know who this is, and I have no idea. I mean, and so you you send that text back. I'm so sorry, I don't have your... Or you lie. I lost all the numbers in my phone. Who is this? Uh Yeah, some of y'all just got uncomfortable. That's all right. This is a place of grace, okay? (laughs) Because I I know I'm probably going to lose my whole phone book this week. And when you text me, I'm going to go, I lost all my phone numbers. You, You liar! Anyway... we typically put who we're writing the letter to to whom it may concern in the first century the way you would open a letter and with your greeting it was was, this is who I am so if we started our text hey this is Matt you know the one from the creek because I'll call some people like hey this is Matt Oxley who? Matt from the creek who? I got nothing else to give you Uh, the son of Pat the son of Kathy, the father of Abby and Laura, the wife of Heather. Oh, oh yeah, Heather. How yeah. Oh, the husband. I <laughs> We're going to have fun. I love you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not her wife. She's my wife. It's one of those things where your mind's going down one track and your mouth says another thing. You know, here it can be funny, even if you're in the context of a discussion at the house, it can't be. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah, that's who you are. So Paul's establishing who he is. He says, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus and an apostle. An apostle is just someone who has seen Jesus. And he's laying out the foundation of this is who I am, and and this is the credibility I have to speak to you. See, a lot of us want somebody to speak into our lives, but there's certain people we don't want speaking into our lives. All right. my years in youth ministry, I used to tell my youth leaders this, the best coaching I ever received, and I think the best coaching I could give the youth leaders when I was a youth pastor was earn the right to go there. The only way you're going to speak into someone's life is if there's a level of respect and the right to say the things that need to be said. What Paul is doing is he's laying out the groundwork and earning the respect and the right to go there. They have probably heard of Paul, they just haven't met him. And they won't meet him for a few more years. None of the disciples of Jesus visited Rome. That what happened, they all became Christians probably at the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And so Paul's trying to set this this common ground. And the common ground that he sets is the gospel. This is is where you really see, uh, like our core value is community. And what it really comes down to is gospel-centered community. This is where you start to see Paul really bringing this into into reality. That because of the gospel, I'm a servant for Christ. I'm an apostle. But we're all saints and we're all called and set apart by God. And so he's laying this this foundation. And and the beautiful thing about the gospel, the gospel simply means this, good news. And it's the good news that that Jesus is the son of God. He came to earth. He lived his perfect life. He gave his life on a cross to be the ransom for, for not only the sins of the people then, but our sins. The sins past, present, and future. And he gave up his life. He gave up his spirit when he said it is finished And the payment for sin was made. And he was laid in a borrowed tomb. And on Easter morning, he walked out of that tomb. And what Paul's saying is, that's the gospel that connects us. When you see Paul refer to this in chapter one, he'll say that the gospel of God, the gospel of his son, or the gospel of Jesus. What he's doing, he's bringing that into a a real understanding that the gospel comes from God. It's not man-made, that Jesus is fully the son of God, that it is his good news and he is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah, the long awaited one who, who resurrected in power and has the rightful claim to holiness because of who he is. Paul's saying, this is why we're bound. And he says, grace and peace to you. This is kind of like the, the phone call that you get and you know, there's something more, like when you do recognize a number, And you're like, this isn't just a phone call to say what's up. There's something deeper going on. But they all start the same. You do the chit-chatty small talk, you know. Sometimes I'd rather just, let's just get to it, okay? Like, hello, okay, we got a problem. But instead, Paul starts out like, okay, how's your mom and them? You know, is everybody doing good? You know, the garden up, everything good? You know, how's the cows, sheep, you know? Doing anything lately? What's the weather like there? You know, all the chit-chat. And then he's going to say, now we got to talk. And the talk is what we're going to get into over the next several weeks, where Paul really talks about being in the dark. We're going we're gonna to really look over the next several weeks about the darkness of man and how deep sin can take us. But I love that Paul starts it out by, before we have this talk, we're all bound by the gospel. The gospel holds us together. And the gospel does several things. See, see, we always think of the gospel in terms of the street corner preacher. We, we, were, at, we were in College Station the last couple days because my youngest daughter, Abby, is going to be a Texas A&M Aggie. Gig'em. I, I got a hat when we were down there. I think it's an $80,000 hat and you get a free college degree out of it or something like that. I was like, I got to have a hat from College Station. Um, But as we were walking around the campus, uh, it's just an incredible thing. I mean, the the traditions and everything kind of made me want to go back to school, but not really, you know. I just want to say I've got the traditions. But there was a street corner preacher. And we tend to all reduce the gospel to a street corner preacher's view of repeat this prayer after me and you'll be saved. Repeat this prayer and life is going to be different. Some of you have been lied to. You repeat this prayer and all your problems go away. That you have a perfect God and he's going to oversee your life and it's going to all go well with you. And 10 minutes after you repeat that prayer and life hits you back in the face and you look at this person and say, but I thought they're going to say, you didn't have enough faith. And we tend to reduce the gospel to that. The gospel is so much larger. The gospel is not a chant that saves you. It is the heart behind what's going on. And the gospel does several things. The good news, when it takes a hold of our life, does some incredible things within us. It did some incredible things in Paul's life. It does some incredible things in in the Christians in Rome's life. You read throughout the New Testament, and what the gospel has done to people. The first thing it does is that gospel gives us a new identity. And the incredible thing about this, we're all born into the sin. We're all born into the darkness that Paul's gonna talk about over the next several weeks as we dive into. We're all born into sin. We all have an identity. I don't know if you like me, but when I was in middle school, I really struggled with my identity. Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Who, who, who am I? And then, you know, we start kind of grilling our kids, even at a young age, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, you're going to be a doctor because you're going to take care of your mom and daddy, right? You know, you're going to, my kid's going to be, they're just going to be rich. But when you really start thinking about it, we, we really put our kids in positions of, so what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? And identity is wrapped up in, we we tend to wrap identity up in, in what we do. And that's really not the thing to do. Even Paul, when his life was transformed, he gets a new identity. You see, Paul's conversion experience happened because he was traveling to persecute Christians. The people he's now writing this letter to are the same people that he hated, Paul was a religious man. He was a, he, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He said, look, when it came to the rules, I could follow them. And I could persecute anyone who could not follow them. Paul was transformed. And I, I love this about our Christian walk is we're always going from somewhere to somewhere or from something to something. And with Paul, you see him transformed from a murderer to someone who gives life, who speaks life. You see him going from, from a religious fanatic into a relationship. That's my favorite one. Because a lot of us tend to identify with the religious, the religion, the set of rules, the do's, the don'ts. Some of you carry baggage some of you are just now maybe getting this, this distaste of church out of your mouth and someone invited you here and you're like, so I've got to go back into hearing about all the, the do's and don'ts and, and, and all the you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. This ain't that kind of place. Because here's, here's the thing I love about church. There's some comforting words I've learned. Me too. Me too. Because I can't live up to the standard of God's law. And when somebody says, you know what, me too, I find comfort in that. Because God doesn't, doesn't call us to be religious, He calls us to be in a relationship with Jesus. And that is governed by grace. See, we're gonna see, we're gonna see scriptures that probably we've all heard that. We all fall short of the glory of God as we study Romans. And there is grace. And Paul experienced grace. How did he do this? He was on the road to Damascus with a letter from the chief priest of the synagogue in order to capture and persecute Christians. And so he shows up. He's on the road. Bright light blinds him. A voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Before he was Paul, he was Saul. He didn't just get a new identity. He got a new name. Why are you persecuting me? Saul says, Who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now, to bring this into context, he's given a new identity, and he says, That's not who you are anymore. You see, my identity, our identity, has to first be whose we are. I'm a child of God because of the gospel, because of Jesus's life, his death and his resurrection, I've been made into a new creation, that I've gone from sin to, to holiness, that my identity in Christ is the righteousness of God, that even though I'm going to screw up, and I screw up all the time, that when God looks at me, the identity he sees is, you're my righteousness, because he's seeing me through the blood of Jesus. And everything else stems from that identity. So it's not who am I, it's whose am I? And when I get that straight, that helps me be the man God's called and created me to be. That helps me be the husband God's called and created me to be. That helps me be the father God's called and created me to be. And that helps me be the pastor God's called and created me to be. See, a pastor isn't my identity. A pastor is my job. And God has called me to be a pastor. But first and foremost is, whose am I? I'm a child of God. I have community with these people that Paul is saying to the saints who are set apart from God, grace and peace. So we get a new identity. Out of that identity comes a mission. Because once we define whose we are, It helps us. What do we do? Because who I am creates an action. When I start thinking about my life in Christ, and I'm a a Christ follower, I've been made new, I've been saved, I've been redeemed, I've been transformed, I've been born again, whatever words we've, we've wrapped around salvation, that because of whose I am and I belong to God, it causes me to act on who I am. And it gives a mission. Paul has a mission. Paul's mission was the gospel. It was all about going to Rome and preaching the gospel. After Jesus saves his life, his whole mission becomes the gospel. When you look at Jesus, Jesus' mission is the gospel. There's no other reason why Jesus came to earth. He didn't just say, I want to go hang out with people. His mission was to come here and to be the sacrifice for our sin. Because in God's law, there can be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And before the foundation of the world was laid, Jesus says, I'll give it. They're worth it. And he left the glory of heaven. He left the throne of heaven. He was born of a manger, of a virgin. And we're getting ready to celebrate that time of year. We got Thanksgiving this week. And then we got Christmas. Thanksgiving, Christmas, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas? Somewhat. I know some of y'all done put your trees up, and i forgive you for that. Some of y'all already listen to Christmas music, and, and uh, there's Grace. I'm just kidding. I've snuck a few Christmas songs myself. I'm like, it's kind of like the appetizer, you know? It's like Thanksgiving morning, you know, you just want to sample stuff. Like, I just got to try a bite of something. Jesus' mission was to save us. That creates a mission for us. That because our life has been so transformed. He calls us to do the same. So regardless of what identity has been labeled for you, Jesus gives you a new identity. He gives you a purpose. He gives you a mission. Every one of you have a mission in this room. And I know a lot of times we feel like we're just trying to get through the day. You know, Paul, most of the Paulina letters that were written to churches were written from prison prison. And it'd be easy to say, well, God, once we get through this little prison experience and this, this, this season, then I'll do what you've called me to do. Because then I think I'm going to have a testimony. I'll have something to be able to say to people to encourage them. I, I, I don't know if you like me, but my, my, my kids are older. And I'm in a weird season of my life. I've got one that's engaged to be married, that's in her senior year of college in Toronto, Canada. And I've got one that's a senior in high school that's about to go leave us and move to College Station next year. I'm in a weird phase of life, but I can tell you when our kids were younger, when they would, they would just be, they'd be making stupid choices. I mean, you just wanted to go, where did this child come from? That can't be my DNA in that brain. And the only one that had somebody to say was Heather. She's like, I know that's not me. And my mom never backed me up either. Mm. You've got your own self. Some of y'all got your own selves as kids. And you know how frustrating that can be now, right? And there are times I would, I literally, I would just kind of double over. And I would just, I just remember going, God, I just don't think I can make it 18 years of this. I mean, you know, I think if you called me to do the Abraham-Isaac thing, I don't think I would listen to the angel when they said stop. I was ready to send this child right back to you, God. I know she's a gift from you, but... I got the receipt. <laughs> Our copay was fifty dollars to get that kid home from the hospital. And I, I'm just making a joke, but the reality is so many of us get in that rut where we just exist day to day, day to day, today, to day. Where the routine is get up, rush out of the house, go to work, get the kids off. You gather somehow, whether it's pick them up at daycare, they get home from school, they pick them up, and then you're trying to frantically get dinner done and say hi to everybody. And then you finally get the kids in bed and you look at each other and you go, hi, good night. Or it's a season where you've got no help. That, That because of the circumstances, you're now having to do all this alone. And you're just trying to make it through. Can I tell you that God has a purpose and a mission? It's not just to make it through. There's incredible purpose in what God's doing. And and the gospel gives you that mission. The gospel also gives us a promise. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. You go back to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, over 700 years before Jesus was born, there's prophecy saying the Messiah is coming. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be born of a manger. By his stripes, we will be healed. The earliest references to the Messiah coming, Jesus coming, is in Genesis right after the fall. The promise was there all along. The promise is that we're saints. Paul says, to all who are called in saints... That God looks at us as his kids, his righteous kids. And the biggest promise, Paul says, is those who are called and belong to Jesus. The greatest promise is that we belong to Jesus. That he will never leave us or forsake us. And no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how dark the days get, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And one thing I love about the gospel is we tend to separate it into this thing. Um, we th- look at the promises as something future. That one day the promise is heaven, that when I die, I'll live in heaven for eternity. You know what? The gospel has promises for you and I right now. And the question is are you living in those promises? Because you see, we tend to make the gospel two separate events. We tend to make salvation two separate events that in this moment, give your life to Jesus, you're you're saved, and he forgives you of your sins. And that's one event. And then one event happens when you die over at the end of the timeline, and you get to spend eternity in heaven. What about all that gap? Because we can't just go from this event to this event. If that was the purpose of scripture, if that was the purpose of God, then as soon as we're saved... We go immediately to heaven into eternity. You see, the gospel doesn't just save us, but it sustains us and then sees us safely home. And if you're just trying to exist, if you're just trying to survive, then what's missing is the sustaining power of the gospel in your life. Where the light was turned on. But there seems to be some dark days. And can I tell you that the gospel has incredible power to sustain you through every second of your life. And I know this, we're just getting into the book of Romans and I'm excited about this study, but today it's about the introductions. And maybe, maybe you've never had an introduction to Jesus. Jesus. Maybe that point of salvation has never happened. Maybe your identity is still wrapped up in who the world says you are and God is, you've never let God define your identity. That's an introduction, but here's where I think a lot of us might be in this room today. It might be a reintroduction because some people are like, oh yeah, save, check, check I'm a Christian. But there's no sustaining power That's evident in life. And I can say that because I've been there. Because I've just tried to exist. I've just tried to get by. I've just tried to do what I have to do to go from, I call it pillow to pillow. I left the pillow in the morning and my whole goal was to make it back to get back to that pillow at night. If I can just survive the day. But I can tell you, God doesn't call us to survive. He calls us to thrive. And you might need a reintroduction to Jesus because that power, maybe your salvation is secure and your eternity is secure, that you know when you die, where you are going to spend eternity? And we hear the gospel pushed that way a lot. If you were to die right now, do you know where you spend eternity? That's a valid question. But let's talk about the reality. Do you know where the sustaining power for the rest of your days are going to come from? Because it is through the gospel, that power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power that called him to holiness, that power that forgives us our sins is the same power at work in our life every day. And I want today, maybe today's the reintroduction or maybe today's the the introduction for the first time. Maybe you've never heard Jesus clarified this way. Our goals every week are this, to make Jesus clear and to love you. And when we do that, we see lives change because of the gospel. And in a minute, our prayer team is going to come up and they're going to line up in front. And this altar is open. We're going to close every service at the creek with an opportunity for you to respond, for somebody to pray for you. We haven't been able to do that for the last four and a half years in the daycare. We would have to say, go to a prayer room. But this is where we gather as a family. And it's not designed to embarrass anyone. It's designed to say, I need to know Jesus. I need to be known by Jesus. Because the mission is to know him and make him known. And that starts with you fully knowing him and knowing that you are fully known. And there are people that really wanna help you. They will partner with you and pray with you. So here's what I want you to do. I want want everybody to stand and bow your heads. Husbands, if you're standing with your wife, hold her hand. Moms, dads, if you're with your kids, hold their hand. If you're engaged, hold their hand. And I want you to hear me. Person's hand you're holding, the person you're standing with, your identity doesn't come from that. Your identity comes from, from Jesus, who walked the hill, who laid his life down so that you could have a new identity and to be transformed. The person's hand you're holding is the mission. That as you fully know Jesus. How are you helping them fully know Jesus? The mission is your kids. The mission is your community. You see, we all live together in this area of Fort Worth. And that's part of the mission. And it starts here. It starts now. Because we walk as people of the light. And there are many who are in the dark. God says, go get it. While well, I'm praying, our prayer team's going to come forward. And if you need prayer, everybody's going to keep their heads bowed because I'm going I'm to pray. But the prayer team's going to come forward. And if you need prayer, step out. If you need your spouse or whoever's hand you're holding, just say, I need you to go with me on this, please. You're going to walk into loving arms and grace when you get to this front. We love you. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel we thank you so much for jesus we thank you so much that that through him you give us a new identity i thank you that you give us a mission that you give us a promise and god through through saving us you give us an identity and the promise is heaven but god we're asking for that sustaining power right now that as you you call our days on earth And you give us life and you give us breath and that we live every moment full of your power. That we live in the sustaining power of your right hand, Lord. We do not draw breath without your power. We do not sustain any life without your word. And so we ask for you to give us that power, give us that word, give us that hope. Father, for anyone in this room that doesn't know you, I pray that you give them the courage to step out to make that introduction. Father, maybe it's a time for a reintroduction for people in this room who need that living power in their life, who need that help, who need that hope. We trust you. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinegreekchurch.com Thank you.